Welcome to Zero to a Million, where we interview multimillionaires on how they scaled their business to $500 million. Uh, 10 years ago? Nah, there are plenty of those types of podcasts out there. We want to provide you with strategies real-time while we scale Unstack from zero to a million. Every week, you can learn from our successes and failures. Plus, get tips from our mentors and advisors. While we implement, you learn. While we learn, we scale. Welcome to the Zero to a Million podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of Zero to a Million, brought to you by Unstack. I'm Zach Rigo. I'm joined by my co-host, Grant Deacon. Today, we're speaking with former professional basketball player and UMass alum, Luke Bonner. Today, Luke is the CEO and co-founder of Power Forward, a platform for driving the athlete-to-consumer industry. Luke, really excited to chat with you, learn a little bit about the basketball career, but mostly about building a tech company and working with athletes. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, Luke, before we jump in, first and most important question, is it uh, LeBron or, or Jordan for greatest of all time? I, I don't I don't get involved in this argument. It's, it's apples to oranges. You can't All right. just, just appreciate everything. Appreciate what you got in front of you. I, I The funniest thing to me is that like there's so many people that just like hate LeBron James. And it's like, why would you deprive yourself the joy of of his excellence? And I never understood it. I, I read a really interesting uh, it was like a tweet string about LeBron. And it's like this guy's never done anything wrong like there's nothing on his you know he like raised by a single mother like was in the limelight since he was 15 or 16 years old and like there's no reason to dislike this guy and he's an incredible basketball player <laughs> like he's done everything right for geez 20 years now he built a school <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well i don't like lebron though um, <laughs> all that said that's yeah. I mean, I'm a Celtics fan, right? Like, I think uh, I grew up in New Hampshire and in, in Wyndham, New Hampshire, just down the road from Concord. So we've got that in common. It was tough those years where we were always going up against it. It was tough to like him, and I think that was just more of a rivalry thing. You needed something to latch onto there. But enough about that. I guess I, I'd love to learn about your background. Obviously, former uh, basketball player, played at UMass, played professionally a little bit, and now you're the founder of a, of a tech company. What happened in between that that brought you to building Power Forward? Uh, I blinked, uh, basically, no, I, I mean a lot when I was, uh, so when I was playing, when you, when you're playing overseas, you actually have all the time in the world. You're pretty much in isolation the whole time. So I, most of my career was in Lithuania. Um, you know, I was one of the only Americans on my team. Sometimes we had another American, but basically you're there and you practice, you know, for a few hours a day. And then the rest of the time, you're just like in your in your flat, you know, in your Soviet flat, just watching The Wire or Lost um, or The Wire again. Um, and a lot of time just kind of, you're, you're, it's, it's like you're waiting and you're in this like arrested state of development where you're playing basketball to get a paycheck so you can go home and have fun in the summer. That's like what playing overseas kind of turns into. Um, so I, I started writing a lot, started just messing around with uh, just video editing stuff and you know, things like that. And uh, when I when I kind of stopped playing, um, I ended up getting an internship as a 27-year-old at an ad agency. Um, I was basically, everyone called me Uncle Intern because I'm with all these, you know, sophomores in college uh, doing intern work. But I really had no work. I, I, I didn't know what a job market looked like. I played basketball. 
Um, but I also had like, just kind of like a unique background in that uh, I transferred from West Virginia to UMass. So I got an extra year of eligibility. Um, and in that time, I, I completed a, a sport management master's program. And when I was in that program, I, I took a lot of uh, like sports labor law classes um, and just like college athletics policy uh, classes and got really kind of involved in in how fucked up the NCA is. Um, and so I started getting really active on kind of player advocacy front um, and pushing for reform in college athletics. And so while I'm like an intern at an ad agency, I was also unionizing, attempting to unionize college athletes. So I co-founded the College Athletes Players Association with Kane Coulter and Ramogi Huma. And we attempted to, to unionize the Northwestern football team, I mean, six years ago at this point. So that's kind of been at the core of kind of one of my personal passions as well. So I've you know written for that. I go on NPR and argue with people about that. And it kind of became, I guess, one of my things, but something I just love to argue about. Um, and kind of push for for reform there. So I've got this like this combo of working in advertising, playing hoops, growing up. Uh, my brother and sister were way better than me, so I always grew up around like elite level uh, basketball. You know, my brother played in the NBA forever. Uh, my sister is NBA front office, so just always in that world, despite being from lovely Concord, New Hampshire. Um, and yeah, so that it's kind of like been this confluence of things um, that's led me to where I am today. And I think, uh, you know, how are you getting the name out there? Obviously, you've acquired some some athletes that I think have, you know, big names. Taco Fall, uh, you know, Celtics player, uh, obviously had a huge following when when he was in college. Uh, Mo Bamba, same thing. Like, how are you acquiring athletes and kind of getting the, the, the most important side of this two-sided marketplace built out today? I mean, it, it's a lot of work, obviously. Uh, so when I, when I was working at the ad agency, I eventually um, kind of started my own side LLC um, that that was more of like a sports marketing consultancy. So I started I started a, like an event at All-Star Weekend, uh, for example, that ended up just kind of turning into its own thing. And I, don't know, I got to know a lot of people through that. Um, and then I started really dabbling in the partnerships realm. So I was running, you know, in, influencer programs, endorsement strategies, stuff like that for a lot of middle, middle market brands that didn't know how to enter into the sports realm um, and were basically felt like paralyzed uh, by approaching some of the bigger shops. So I started doing that with a couple, a couple brands and then like they have other brands who asked them, how the hell did you get, you know, so-and-so to do a deal with you? And they were just like, Oh, Luke did it. And then that basically became like a full-time job for me. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Once when you're when you grow up in this like uh, this sports world, it's really small. I, I you know once you've really been kind of uh, you know in it to the level that I have, I guess it becomes a really small world. And uh, when you email people, they will reply. Um, so uh, just kind of understanding uh, you know how everything works, going through proper channels, um, you know, in terms of like accessing athletes. And, you know, structuring deals in a way that is uh, equitable and really advantageous um, to the athlete, I think, is, is, is core to what we're doing, kind of committing to this value of, like, always empowering, never exploiting. Um, and I think that if you, if you do right by, by the athletes and what we're doing, um, then we'll ultimately, we're ultimately going to win big down the road.
And Luke, have you have you seen things kind of evolve, call it like over the last 10 years? I feel like back in the day, you know, athletes kind of really focused on the sports side of it and kind of handed off more of the the business side of things to, you know, agents or partners and things like that. I feel like today athletes are really dialed in and much more, I think, business minded about themselves, how they're thinking long term, how they're thinking about, you know, their craft plus you know, their fans and their audience. You know, I remember um, a couple of years ago at Grapevine, I had the chance to meet Stefan Marbury and we went to a Celtics game. It's actually the only time I've, I've gotten to sit courtside, which was a really cool experience. No but yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was a hum, <laughs> humble brag. Yeah. Wearing, so wearing starberries I, on the court. He's not going to, yeah, he's so not revealing that it, it was a preseason game at the uh, yeah. <laughs> Verizon Wireless Arena in Manchester, New Hampshire. <laughs> What what it was actually the Raptors, so it was a, it was a big game. It was a big game, uh, but one of the, the and talking with uh, with with Stefan, like one of the things that he saw really early on, like with his shoes and then you know playing overseas, is the opportunity to, to actually do. I think what what Power Forward is doing, right? Like he started thinking about like, well, like how do I start to create my own products and bring those directly to my audience and like like everything from the marketing of that to the supply chain, like figuring it all out. Like there were a lot of, there were like more questions and answers around that. So like, that's a really interesting, like when I heard about what you're doing, it started making me think, Oh, like a lot of people might be thinking about this, but might not know like what to actually do to, to go from, you know, zero to one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely, uh, you know, something that's happened. I think over time, I think the, the players associations and, just the way the way the world has gone, um, I think players are more aware of their their mortality, so to speak. That their your playing career is finite, right? So um, you know there are certain things you should be doing while you are kind of at your peak level of notoriety um, to to leverage that into you know stuff that's going to pay off for the rest of your life. It, it's something that's really scary too. I mean, even for someone like me, like I never I never played in the NBA, but when I was, you know, 11 years old, I was the only way I, I was going to go to college was through a, a scholarship. I, I, you know, I'm freaking six foot two at 12 years old or whatever. So had a feeling I would be a, you know, a gigantic ogre at some point, um, which would help me get a, a scholarship. But basically my life was dedicated to, to becoming, you know, a top level basketball player first to, to get a division one scholarship and then hopefully get paid to play basketball somewhere. So so as you do that over time, it becomes like, you know, it's, it's a little bit scary to think about like, how do I exist in the world outside of this space? Um, so I think part of what we're doing and part of what's, you know, particularly something that I'm passionate about and that's, that's really powerful is, is being able to create a platform that's going to allow, you know, ho hopefully thousands of athletes to generate, you know, passive income outside of their sport that that's something they can leverage forever so tell us a bit about how that works right you you acquire an athlete uh you know hey taco fall good example i think a lot of people know his name uh you build a brand around him you design some you know obviously logos things for him like tell us a bit about that process and what the athletes really reaping outside of obviously the passive income that you guys are handling for them yeah i mean so so this is a somewhat new thing i think i mean Athletes have been doing it on their own, um, you know, for, for a bit. Um, we're taking a slightly different approach that I think is is key. Um, 
but yeah, you know, like someone like Taco will sign on and we run through, you know, you know, the, the agency folks discovery phase, so to speak, but, you know, more abbreviated, um, get to know the player, what their, you know, what their interests are. That's what we're more so interested in building, like really meaningful product that that really ties to an athlete's legitimate interests. Um, and so we'll right now it's it's more of that you know, building a marketplace, you know, to start it out, uh, a tactic that we're really leaning into is this like single player tactic to start. So uh, you're basically facilitating uh, the supply side. So basically imagine like athlete equals retailer. So we're to start, we're really focused on setting uh, athletes up for success and believe that by athletes all coming onto this platform, that's going to drive demand um organically um so so really like the athletes are key there um and so we're pretty pretty hands-on right now um but then we'll you know we'll talk to athlete we'll build out you know product based on what they're interested in what they're passionate about some of that will you know leverage pieces of their name image and likeness um but also we know it's really important to create stuff that that they want to rock you know like certain players might not be comfortable wearing a shirt that has like their face on it or whatever. Like I'm wearing a Mo Bamba hoodie right now. And it's, it's just interesting art that we kind of talked through and created with him. Um, it's not like, you know, Mo Bamba dunking a basketball on a shirt or something. Um, so we, we, we build out that, that mix of products. Um, but also um, the other piece to that is, is by building a power forward, you kind of, you know, have a, a hub on the internet that you can always point to, um, you know, to, for all the things you have going on. I know that it's like stupid. It's like, oh, you invented a website. It's like, yeah, well, kind of, but it's really geared towards the, the you know, the 360 degree elements that, that you know, surround uh, an athlete. Um, and so it's been super cool so far. Um, and, and, you know, the reaction has been great. Luke, one of the things I always uh, am curious about when you, you put the, a deal together with, with one of these athletes, what's what's the expectation that you set with them you know you guys are doing a lot of work uh putting kind of all the bones together the design you know a lot of upfront like what what are they sort of committing to um in return in terms of you know promoting it marketing are you guys handling a lot of that as well yeah we're handling a lot of it um so my our whole thing is uh that by building this right that's your, you, it's, it's an advantage there. And just by, by having it exist, you're, you're set up for success. Um, and so actually we don't, we don't require athletes to do anything. Um, we think that if we do right by them, they'll do it organically. And that's infinitely more effective than any sort of forced, uh, you know, post that's an obvious like paid thing or something. Um, I think that, you know, people are, are learning that the, the, kind of return in terms of conversions on that stuff isn't always great. Um, it can be a great like awareness and branding practice. Um, but we, we don't require anything like this is, this is where it's kind of like different. If you, if an athlete, you know, gets some sort of endorsement deal, typically they have to do something right to receive their, their paycheck. Um, this is theirs. Like it's up to them. Like their, your, your power forward is yours. If you want to post every day about it and do all that stuff, we'll arm you with, with what you need. Um, if you just want to capitalize on this like network effect by being a part of it, um, and, and tap into the, just like the massive amount of search volume around your name 
and hope that that's enough to you know generate some passive income. That's fine too. Um, and then from from just like a value perspective, uh, you know, we view I view product as content. Um, for if you're an athlete, like even if no one's buying what you're selling, um, there's 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 inherent value to having this product exist. Um, I think it it's a really powerful branding tool. It kind of reinforces, you know, whatever desired characteristics you have and just, uh, you know, helps, helps put you forward as, you know, whatever it is you want to be. And then if you have a moment out of the blue, right, you're, you're set up to react and and get a shirt up or whatever, um, in that moment, um, and capitalize on that. Whereas right now, like if, you would have to kind of wait around for someone else to come to you and say like, let's do this. Or you have to use, you know, just like a, a crappy, you know, you know, drop ship plugin um, where you're not sure of the quality or the, the turn time on the, you know, the shipment. Yeah. I think you've mentioned a couple of things I'm interested to dig into. One was uh, as you acquire athletes, you envision them as being able to drive the demand and something, uh, you know, Grant and I've talked a lot about is, uh, how do you leverage influencer marketing to, you know, drive demand for your business and brand awareness? And I think you've had experience with that, you know, previously when you kind of started your agency, obviously you have it more recently with, you know, working with athletes and they're promoting their brand, but, you know, leveraging your back end to kind of facilitate, uh, you know, what are some things or strategies you've seen work with either tech companies or, or startups using and working with athletes to get brand awareness uh, by leveraging their platforms? So I think that, the key is, is like having a real connection with whoever the, the athlete or influencer is like, there needs to be like your brand needs to serve like an, a, a legitimate, like utility to that person. Um, if, otherwise it just seems like purely transactional and everyone knows that like when someone posts, right. Everyone's like, Oh, go get that money. Like you, good job. Like you, yeah. you're happy for the, 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 the athlete or the influencer and you less so care about like that brand. So I think like it, it needs to be something uh, like ideally there's some sort of like emotive, uh, like real connection. I'm trying not to say authentic as best I can. I almost did right there. Um, but yeah, having that authentic connection. And then ideally there's, there's some sort of, uh, you know, beyond, uh, you know, a post in a feed or something like that, or a mention or, or whatever. Um usually it's a good idea to have some, some dollars behind whatever that partnership is uh, to, to, to amplify that. Um, I think one of the, one of the biggest metrics of success on that or, or, or where this really works is, is just kind of expanding audience for a brand more than anything. So I think as a, as a company, you need to like make sure you have appropriate expectations into what it is you're trying to achieve through that partnership. Um, you know, driving like, like being able to attribute, uh, you know, an influencer's post to a spike in sales. Um, I think that's too narrow of a view, um, in terms of what you're doing there. But when you compare some of that money or whatever, or effort to a media spend or something, it starts to make a lot more sense in, uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah. That was, that was something that we talked a lot about at, at Grapevine as well. It was like, if you're going to think about it as a performance channel, like it, at, at a minimum, think about it as sort of like a loss leader, you know, to, to acquire some customers. Um, but, but 
appreciate the halo effect that you get from it as well and all the recyclability of that content. Yeah. I like that you said amplification too, because that's something that I think only until a couple of years ago, people weren't really, it was like a different conversation with a different team. And now that's kind of coming together where teams are saying, Hey, like it's about one strategy to source, source the creative and the talent. And then, amplify that you know behind some real paid spend yeah you know, on some targeting that that makes sense for for us and, and just like the the retargeting you can do you know if you know just just by you, you you'll generally see like a an increase in page views at, at the very least right like people are going to end up on your website in some way and so then you have a you have really you know powerful data there for for any sort of follow-up retargeting efforts but w- with what i was doing and it, and it kind of correlates to what we we're talking about here is most of the most of the the brands i partnered with you know generally didn't do straight like uh you know post this get post you know post this 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 product on your feed and that's the end of this right um, we generally would try to find a, a deeper way to to connect with with the athlete or the influencer and and ended up building a lot of like signature products together. Um, and I think that's 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 just gonna get you it's just more like ammunition for PR and stuff like that too. like whereas like someone posting, um, you know, buy my root beer or whatever isn't isn't necessarily gonna stand out in any sort of way. so Luke, Luke, how do you think about? power for it as a brand going forward, you know, and working with all these athletes and like building that as a business, like, do you see an opportunity to kind of create that as a, an end customer facing brand? You know, is there sort of like a, a media or a community play to that, like to the end fans, or do you guys see yourself really as kind of staying behind the scenes and working with, you know, the athletes on a sort of one-to-one? Uh, no. So I think like our core product is, is the platform itself. Um, which is going live soon. Um, so I think that, you know, we will be the, the conduit um, between fans, athletes, product, um, and even, and, and I think even access at a certain point. Um, it, and so I, th- I think there's tremendous value there as long as we are always putting the athlete first and making sure we're always a utility and providing value to you know, everyone who's kind of engaging with our platform. Um, I think that's key. And I think it's going to like, it'll, it'll benefit us from a retention standpoint, from an adoption standpoint and from like a stickiness standpoint. And so not losing sight of that. And I think we're pretty committed to that. Um, I think that it's like a, we have like a pretty significant opportunity here if we can kind of do this right. What are some of the biggest challenges you see in in being able to do that? Right, like you get you got this platform play. I love it. I've talked to you know Alan a lot about it, who who, who works with you. Uh, what's the biggest challenges kind of down the road as you're as you're building the business? Um, I'll let you know when we cross those. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the the biggest challenge I think thus far is we started a business in the like at the height of a pandemic which is kind of in, in a lot of ways it's like the right time for that sort of thing you know but uh, it's also like like we launched a angel round you know while everyone's in a in shutdown and our we filed our you know formation paperwork on March 16th 
uh, <laughs> of 2020, uh, Austin 316. That's why I'll, I remember it. Um, <laughs> little stone cold reference. Um, so I think like, I, I, I don't know yet. Uh, I mean, I, I do, I don't know that I want to say it publicly on a podcast. Uh, but to me, the, that was a pretty significant challenge, uh, to, to kind of get through that in the height of a pandemic. So I feel like, like for us to still be, to exist where we are and be thriving. Um, I feel pretty confident about any future challenges that are coming our way. Um, you know, it's, it's all this, the same stuff every other tech company is going to face is like, we got to scale. We, we need to build this thing out to scale. That's the only way our model is going to work is, uh, for us to win. A lot of athletes need to win first. That's very intentional. Um, and so now we just need to, to go ahead and execute. Yeah, I mean, in in reality, like I, I definitely hear you on the business challenges of of navigating a pandemic. But in reality, the only for for a business like yours and probably largely Unstacked too, like the main difference between before and after the pandemic is just that digital got more important. Right. Yeah, I, I'm more more so thinking from like my two little kids being stuck at home dealing with all that while also like working, you know, startup hours, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. and trying to like get through all that and, and everything and trying to buy, trying yeah, to buy like think, three weeks of groceries, uh, <laughs> so you don't have to leave the house. <laughs> yeah. I'm big on the whole foods delivery. <laughs> um, so I guess like asking Zach's question and maybe, uh, maybe a more innocuous way, like, for you coming from, you know, sort of the, the agency world and the sports world, and now you're kind of founder, entrepreneur, like building this business, what's, what's been something that you didn't expect or some things that you've like learned already since, yeah since March 16. So the biggest thing is it, that was like an eye opener for me is like how quickly everything changes. Um, I mean, I'll be straight up with you. I didn't know what a cap table was in April of 2020. Like, you know, like I, I, we've just been, I've just been reading nonstop, like doing all that stuff, like talking to people Find you know, like it's just crazy how quickly you can maneuver um, into different areas in, in how different kind of like your business is, uh, you know, how much it changes in three weeks. Um, like, how do you think, how do you think about that? Like to use a sports analogy, if you're like a really good point guard, but you don't have a center, like how are you covering those blind spots as a first time founder? Um, uh, so I, I, I don't know how to say this without sounding like a douchebag, but I feel like that's like one of my strengths as like a person that's kind of driving the ship is being able to figure out what those needs are and finding the right people um, and engaging them in a, the correct way. Um, or even just kind of like seeing, you know, that there's seeing something in someone that maybe other people don't, um, and, and like enabling them to, to do their thing, um, and kind of like knowing what you know and understanding what you don't, um, and that you don't need to know everything, right? Like nobody does, um, and kind of reminding yourself that, um, along the way. And, and so just being able to really listen and, and, and kind of like listen to the right people um, and being able to move on from the wrong people um, quickly. Like, I mean, 
you know, like doing a seed round, like hanging up on someone that was willing to give you money because you didn't feel like they were the right fit. That was like a crazy moment for me. Um, the first time that happened, you know, and, and that it turned out to be the the right decision for us. Um, but I think like, you know, just, I, I don't know. It's just something that I feel like is serendipitous. If you're paying attention and you're alert, you'll find all the pieces you need. Totally. It sounds like you are uh, big on learning. You obviously mentioned having to learn cap tables within uh, 30 days of <laughs> launching your business, which is is something that, you know, hey, like I'm always asking Grant, I'm like, hey, like, can I get involved in these conversations just so I can learn this stuff? Because I, you know, as a totally. coming up as a sales rep and, and sales leader and, you know, GM of a business, even up until that point, like a lot of the financials and, and P&Ls weren't exposed to me. And I think it's so important and something I want to do with all salespeople I work with is like, start to get them to think about a PL and like their own business within our business. Right. Uh, I think that's so important. I guess, you know, two things I'd ask you, or one thing I'd ask you last question, uh, two books that you've read recently that you feel like helped you learn what a cap table was. It could be that detailed or, you know, things that you've read that you're like, these are, these are things that really help drive me forward in, in the business. So I hate like the notion of self-help books, but, um, one one book that I think had a big impact on me, uh, just because like I'm I'm a pretty easygoing, uh, you know, kind natured guy, um, and you think of a lot of these negotiations as like being like ruthless or something. Um, and a book that I think really I connected with is uh, "The Power of Nice" by Ron, Ron Shapiro. He's a uh, he was Cal Ripken's agent. Um, but just basically it's, it's this notion of like negotiation isn't zero sum, um, you know, and like, if you can, it's like the everybody wins kind of mentality going into, you know, any sort of negotiation and that reading that book, I think for me, it was like super helpful. Um, just in terms of like, you know, how I approach any, any, any conversation, um, and just doing that over and over again, you get more confident and comfortable with, with all this stuff. Um, so that, that was pretty key. The, uh, another one that I did not read, um, but that Alan, who you referenced, um, one of my co-founders read overnight and always sends me excerpts from whenever I ask questions is, uh, you know, the, the classic, uh, secrets of Sand Hill road, um, which I have on my desk, but I have not read cause I have not had time. <laughs> Getting the cliff notes is not, not a bad way to yeah, do it. There you go. Yeah. I haven't read The Power of Nice. I'm just curious. I've read other things on negotiations. Like, how much of the root of that is just being really authentic and like very transparent with what you're trying to accomplish and trying to also make that okay for the other party to, to do the same? Yeah. I mean, that, that that's a big part of it, but also just like never viewing like a single negotiation as like the end game right? Like throughout your life, you're going to be constantly doing this. So like really cutting, yeah, cutting to the core of like what is most valuable to you and what is most valuable to the person you're talking to and finding common ground. Um, and you know, if, if someone's, if someone views it as like, I win, you lose scenario, that's, that's just not going to be a good relationship. Like as you, even once you've agreed to something, Right. So like finding those, that, that, those, those core pieces um, so that everyone feels good about a deal is like key. Cause that, that deal is one, like securing that deal is one thing, but then living with it uh, is, is really the most important part. 
I think a lot of people miss that. Yeah. It's like judge, judge someone on the second deal they do. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> not, not that first one. Well, awesome, Luke. Thank you for joining us. This was outstanding. Uh, I'm really excited about what you were doing uh, with Power Forward. I'm a, I'm a big uh, advocate for getting athletes exposed to consumers and allowing them to build their own brands because there are uh, a lot of athletes I'm, I'm friends with that have, have been injured early in their career. And, you know, now they're they're wondering, you know, why they didn't take advantage of that little bit of virality they had at one moment. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's tough to see. So I love what you guys are doing. I guess, where can everyone find you and, uh, and more important power forward? And where can we buy a taco shirt? Yeah. You buy, buy a taco shirt from tacofall.com. You get to go get that taco, the taco Tuesday heat. I actually, I really love one of the shirts you guys did with it. <laughs> so yeah, you can find us, uh, powerforward.co so p-w-r-f-w-d.co uh, is is our site and you can find me and yell at me on twitter if you want so that's at, at luke e bonner l-u-k-e-y b-o-n-n-e-r my family calls me lukey so that's where that comes from uh but, and check out at power forward shop that's our our handle on twitter and instagram and whatnot but yeah that's that's where that's where you can find us Awesome, Luke. Thank you so much. It was great to meet you. Really excited about what you guys are doing. Congrats on the early success, Luke. We, we're excited to see where you take it. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Zero to a Million podcast, brought to you by Unstack, the no-code marketing platform. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week for more startup insights and strategies.